When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. Welcome to another episode of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga, and I have Simon Clancy here with me. In the second half of the show, I will have Chris Kaufman with me. But first, let's start Friday night. As some in the newspaper industry were calling an internet report, but we know better. It was a report by Five Reasons Sports and Three Yards Per Carry, along with Dolphin Maven, that Tannehill was likely not to play. What were your thoughts when you heard that, Simon? Uh, I kind of thought it was kind of an overwhelming sense, I think, of, I don't want to say the end is nigh, but, you know, you look at the amount of games that Tannehill's missed over the, the last couple of seasons and you think, you know, if, if, if what we've been told and, you know, we had it double sourced from, from good sources, that if we were told, if what we were being told was true, then um, we had no reason to believe it wasn't. And as it turned out, it was exactly nail on the head right that, you know, there's something potentially more serious there, and it's not just one missed game. That that that's the concern, and that gets you thinking about crikey. You know, is this? Have we pretty much seen the last of this kid? But also just knowing that you know, we knew, uh, and that you know, you talked about people saying it was an internet report. I think that you know, attribution in journalism is a is a an interesting thing, and I and I think people, you know, we look over the weekend. People have sort of said, "Oh, we're a bit chippy and we're a bit precious," and and that's fine. You know, people can say what they like. I don't mind. You know, we don't mind, really. I, I just think that, you know, work hard in journalism. You source stories and you get them right. And, you know, that, that, that's important. And I, you know, I just think somebody sort of saying, oh, an internet report, I think it's a little bit, a little bit sly. But that's all good. But just generally, I just thought, you know, given the Cam Wake news, given some of the other injury issues, you kind of thought, Oof, I don't know, actually, you know, Osweiler, really? Um but yeah, and as it matriculated over the weekend, you just thought, you know, I woke up Saturday, uh, Sunday morning and we knew that Ryan had had this workout and we knew that he was unlikely to play and then probably found out sort of an hour, an hour and a half before kickoff that he definitely wasn't going to play. Um, and as it transpired, I don't want to say we didn't need him because actually I think the result would have been a bit more clearly defined earlier. I think if he'd have played, but, you know, kudos to the team that did play and certainly kudos to Brock, Brock Osweiler. Yeah, and I have a little bit more reporting on that. I'm told that uh, his workout did not go well, and it was characterized as 
he's more that he's more than likely around 80% and that Adam Gase didn't feel that he can make half the throws that are in the playbook. So therefore he's not going to play. And furthermore, I'm told that the decision is not really going to be made by doctors. It's going to be made by Adam Gase. Mm. Uh, So I guess when he says it's a day-to-day thing, I guess he's going to be watching him every day in practice. And if he doesn't like the velocity and the power that he can generate from his arm, he's not going to play. So I thought that I thought the Adam Gaze press conference afterwards when he got very chippy about questions he was asked about Tannehill's shoulder. And look, he does get chippy anyway. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been in press conferences with him and I've asked him questions that he's not liked. Um, and, you know, he can give you a look and he'll give you a one-word answer and he doesn't give a toss to be who he upsets. Um, but it was clear that there was something going on there that he wasn't happy about in terms of the questioning and the, just some of the verbiage he used. It was just, a, you know, it was just interesting listening to him talking like that about about Tannehill and it does make you wonder whether or not this is more you know we've got information uh, and we're of an understanding of uh, about certain things and you do wonder whether or not this is not just a one-week thing perhaps it goes on you know a little bit longer and it perhaps it's more serious than than the Dolphins have let on who knows but I just thought that was I thought it was very interesting what he said and how he said it and the tone that he used and the irritation that was in his voice about the questions that he was being asked. And, you know, look, questions about the starting quarterback of the team. He's not being asked questions about the fourth-string cornerback or the, you know, the ninth offensive lineman. This is the, the guy they've paid £97 million or whatever it was, to $97 million to be the face of the team. So, you know, I think there's just a bit more to it than, than meets the eye. Yeah, I thought he was completely irritated because I think he took the questions to mean that they were questioning him and his evaluation of, of Ryan Tannehill and his worthiness to play. And I think that he took it kind of hard. And and in my opinion, he went way off the rails talking about HIPAA laws and all that. Because first Mm. of all, HIPAA laws only apply to to doctors and to team personnel. Like team personnel cannot leak his vitals or any of his medical records. But us in the media can ask around and find them out. Okay. And we can speculate on it. So it's, you know, he, he was a little bit off base talking in those tones. And I took it to mean that he was, uh, I wouldn't say upset, but annoyed. He was annoyed that people were questioning his evaluation. Did you hear, we, you know, we get some weirdos messaging us on the uh, three yards per carry. Account and, uh, <laughs> that, that we, I had one of the greatest of all time this morning, which happened before you boys got up. But it was essentially this guy that, and I'm paraphrasing here, so excuse me, but essentially he said that um, it was all part of a larger plot that <laughs> Tanner, that Gaze want, get, that there was no injury to Tannehill. Gaze pulled him because he wanted to play Osweiler so that Osweiler could fail and therefore he could tell fans that actually he was right and that, that, that Tannehill was the guy and everybody needs to get behind him. Can you imagine how fucking batshit crazy you'd have to be to actually think that let alone fucking write it. I mean, what an absolute galloping mong. I mean, Christ on a bike. Yeah, no, especially after I had tweeted, uh, and we had talked about it on the last podcast we did, where, you know, at 1-0, you don't feel pressure. At 2-0, you really don't feel pressure. At 3-0, you're on top of the world. At 3-1, you just lost to the Patriots. At 3-2, now there's pressure. So can you I mean, imagine he's wanting to throw a game to go 3-3? Three and three? And have the whole market lose their collective minds because so, you know so, that three and three can easily turn into three and five at the drop of a hat. 
It's like some of the some of the melt messages the other day to say that um, it, it was absolutely outrageous that we hadn't sucked the entire season when Andrew Luck was available to draw. I mean, can you imagine telling professional athletes, <laughs> you know, who are paid millions of dollars to put their you know physical health, long long term well being, uh, and personal pride on the line to say, you know what, boys, we're just going to just just mail it in this season. So I don't need you to rush the passer quite as hard. I, I mean, can you imagine? What goes, what goes through these fucking people's minds? <laughs> no, it's absolutely insane. Yeah, he really wanted to throw a game where he could go four and two, sit nice and pretty for the playoff chase. You know, Ridiculous. with some with some winnable games coming up too. Mate, seriously, I mean, the, seven and two is not beyond the realms of distinct possibility. It's not. Although, you know, spoiler alert. You know, there's a game uh, on the road on a Thursday night. Those are yeah. almost scheduled, you know, beatdowns. So, you know, seven and two is going to be pretty difficult to do. But, yeah, although, although if the shoulder injury is, you know, as bad as potentially feared, that could be the return of the uh, uh, could be return of the Brock Osweiler show to Houston. You know, and talk about a revenge game for the Brockmaster General. <laughs> yes, you know, it'd be incredible on well, Thursday night football. <laughs> Yes. Now, Simon, you know, if you were a betting man, and I know that you're not, me and Chris are, and on Friday night you hear about Brock Osweiler starting, uh, you had a pretty good opportunity to lose a lot of money on that Sunday. Tell the people how they could have done that. Yeah, I mean, you could have done it. My betting that Brock Osweiler was going to throw. What price would you have got on betdsi.com, do you reckon, for Brock Osweiler to throw 380 yards and, and beat the Chicago Bears? I'd have said about 53,000 to one. <laughs> I'd say there's more chance, there was more chance of a sheepdog quarterbacking the New England Patriots to the Super Bowl than there was of Brock Osweiler beating the, uh, the, the Bears. <laughs> I will phone up my friends at BetDSI and ask them. But if you can't do that, what you can do is essentially go to the website, use their mobile interface. They have been celebrating 20 years online this year and they have a great reputation for service and payment for your winnings. And as I said, an excellent mobile interface so you can get paid and play anytime. And to help you get started, our friends at BetDSI are offering you double your money with your first deposit. So you deposit now, start winning and get up to $2,500 for free. That is free cash, free money, free money, free money. I mean, there is literally no catch. Double your cash from the start. When it comes to football, they have put a wager on everything you could ever want or imagine. If it's happening in sports, they will put a line on it. Brock Osweiler, the NCAA, Major League Baseball, whether the Brewers or... I don't follow baseball, so and I just saw the Brewers mentioned today, but whoever. UFC, the Premier League, eSports, political stuff. I'm pretty sure you could bet on two rabbits running from one side of the park to the other if you really wanted it. <laughs> Join BetDSI today using promo code RABBITS101. I mean, YARDS101. That's YARDS101 to get in the action and get paid. Enjoy the games that much more when you play at BetDSI.com. Ironically enough, 20 minutes ago, you and I were discussing whether or not to take the nine and a half points that Green Bay are favoured over San Francisco. I am watching the cold weather at Lambeau, which is where I will be in three weeks' time watching the Miami Dolphins play the Green Bay Packers. And I, I, I know two things. One, take the nine and a half. Two, I need to buy a new winter coat because it looks cold there. Oh, my God. You're going to Green Bay in three weeks? Yeah, I'm going to I, I'm go, I'm going on a tour. So arriving in Chicago, day in Chicago, then to Detroit to see the Michigan State High School defending champions play the semifinal. 
then to the big house to watch Michigan play Penn State, then to fly to New England to watch Green Bay play New England, so Brady against Rodgers, uh, a day in Boston, uh, a day in Niagara, a day at the NFL Hall of Fame uh, as guest of David, whatever his name is, the guy that hands out, knocks on people's doors, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Thursday night football for Pittsburgh, Carolina. Friday night in East Lansing ahead of Michigan State, Ohio State, which is the game we'll go to on the Saturday. And then Green Bay on the Sunday for Miami Green Bay for flying back home. It is a hell of a trip and I need a new coat because it looks <laughs> yes. fucking freezing in Lambeau. Although you caught a break. As you were talking, I was looking up in the, in the, in the long-term almanac and it's saying 38 degrees. So nice. it's not, you know, bone chilling. I thought you were going to say I was looking up in the sky. I was like, are you doing this outside? <laughs> That's niche. No, there, there, there are certain websites where you can look at long-term forecasts, and it says 38 right. degrees, so you looked out. Because you could have easily caught one of those 20-degree 20, 20 days. Yeah, I still need a new coat. There's a lot of big coats on the sidelines as well. <laughs> yes. And gloves it, and hats. It looks really, 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 really cold there. Yeah. But so we get past Friday night and the dread mm. of Brock Osweiler starting – and here we are. There's a game that has to mm. be played. And the Dolphins are surely staring at 3-3 three and three dead in the face. Yeah. The game starts. What were your thoughts? I thought we started pretty well, actually. I mean, punted on the first drive, but looked all right. Scored on the second drive. It was like, crikey, what a revelation. Um, but then when we went sort of, what was it, 21-7 down, it was Chris and I were like, right, it's game over. I was saying, let's put David Fails in at some <laughs> point. But... You know, it was just, it was a really good game as well. Just fascinating to watch that kind of pendulum swinging back and forth. And what's funny is, as, as long-time listeners to this podcast will know, we have a WhatsApp group and uh, you were out and about probably drinking 600 drinks and Chris and I were, Chris and I were keeping each other company. It, I was watching on Game Pass, so it tends to be about 30 seconds later than Chris obviously watching it live. And when something magical happens... I mean, essentially, you could just you, you could go through the WhatsApp group on game day and guess what would happen at certain points because you either get a fuck, shoot, <laughs> Jesus, or ooh, or and when something amazing happens, you just get literally <laughs> letters like "look, we've forgotten to and I just happen to look. And what I have to do is I have to turn my phone upside down when the game's on until it goes to commercial. Because otherwise, you boys give away what's happened because I'm 30 seconds behind. And I accidentally was looking at Twitter during an advert, and I was probably maybe 90 seconds behind instead of 30. And I just saw Chris go, you know, like loads of letters all making no order in capital letters. And I realized something had happened. And I wasn't entirely sure whether it was something good or something bad. Uh, and it was obviously something good because it was Albert Wilson's 45-yarder. And then there was another one for his 75-yarder, which was just like, holy shit balls, we're right back in this game. <laughs> yes. And Kenny makes the great catch for the two-pointer. And it's like, uh, and ultimately the game was just like my life as a Dolphins fan, my 34 years as a Dolphins fan. It was excitement, then fucking tragedy, <laughs> then resignation that we were going to lose, then holy shit, what the hell's happening? We're back in this. Then the realisation that we might fucking win it. Then the realisation that 
oh my life it's just been taken <laughs> from us <laughs> then the realization that that fucking kicker that used to kick for us last year is gonna da- stab the dagger in our <laughs> bitching hearts then to watch it sail wide right and think we're alive we have a dream and then the the, the rookie kicker with his hit with his hitler mustache comes and does it and i'm dead at that point i'm absolutely dead <laughs> It's one of the great games, one of the well, great moments. Well, let me tell you where I was, okay? Uh, I was dreading. Uh, when I woke up that morning, I was like, okay, I know what's coming, so let me just get it out of the way. And then I started seeing the reports, and, okay, we were made to to be correct. I wasn't happy that we were correct because it meant, in my opinion, it meant three and three. But I started thinking to myself, you know, there's this thing called the Ewing Theory, and it's by Bill Simmons, not somebody I particularly respect, but mm. he's respected in the United States. Okay, and the theory goes that for one game, you could be missing a star player and the rest of the pieces will will rise up to the occasion and outplay their expectation for one game. And we've seen it before with Matt Moore. So I thought to myself, you know what, man, this is this could be the game where we just go out there and, you know, run it 60 times. Brock Osweiler throws an efficient 18 passes. And we win this thing 16 to 13 or win it 13 to 10 because our defense played spectacularly well. Or who knows, maybe we scored a touchdown on special teams or a touchdown on defense and we end up winning the game. Then early in the morning, I had to take, I had to help my sister move into her house. So I end up missing almost the entire first half. But as I'm carrying this 200 pound, I'm not carrying it, it's on a dolly, but I'm pushing it, a 200 pound bar. Sister? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, my sister was my sister was just actually watching me and her and 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 her husband my you know my brother-in-law yeah. push this thing around and she's like don't worry i got your game here on a tv so you could you know you could eyeball it whenever you get a chance so here i am and as i'm walking in i'm watching Brock Eiswaller throw a touchdown pass to Nick O'Leary. Mm. And my God, we are up seven to nothing at the half. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? It's going to happen. We're going to do it. We're going to win this game 13 to 10. Who knows? We might even get a, a touchdown on defense, win this thing 14 to 10. And they're going to do it. They're going to go four and two. And all we got to do is just survive this game. Then all hell breaks loose in the second half. And I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of Dolphin games and, you know, piss on all of you people that say that this team is boring. What the <laughs> fuck was boring about that? <laughs> is, okay. it, is it me or over the last two or three seasons, we've just had some absolutely redonkulous games at home in terms of, you <laughs> yes, know, we two have. point we, I mean, there's been some classics. You know, it's been great fun. Yeah, no. And, and on the road, that game in Buffalo that clinched the playoffs two years mm. ago. That that game was insane. Andrew Franks' ninety-two yard field goal with a, into the snowy end of Ralph Wilson Stadium, and then a Jai breaks that long run in overtime. And, mad. <laughs> it's incre- it's it was insane. But think about what you had in this game. First of all, uh, their offense can't get anything on our defense. Then they get everything they want on our defense. Yeah. Okay, we can't get off the field. It got so bad where. You know, most of the season, you know, I know I understand the season's only was only at that point five games old. But when our defense is on the field, I have complete confidence in them. Like I actually get a little nervous when our offense goes out there because you don't know what's gonna happen. 
I mean, Tony uh, McTire must be seeing Mitch Trubisky in his sleep. <laughs> he is. No, he's going to be seeing that head coach, Nagy. That guy is a yeah. – that guy's the real deal. That mm. guy's the real deal. He had me absolutely terrified with his play calling. He was in one of those zones that a play caller can get in yeah. where mm. whatever he calls is going to work. And not only is it going to work, but it might pop for a 60, 70-yard touchdown. Mm. It, I thought he, it was interesting. I thought what was interesting is that people talk about, you know, oh, no, because literally the entire world, even Mrs. Osweiler, before the game was like, we've got no fucking chance. We're going to get ruined. Brock's <laughs> yes. an absolute fucking walking disaster. <laughs> yes. Then we win the game. And to give him credit, he plays well. And the amount of people that I was just like, fuck it, Tannehill's done. Osweiler's <laughs> the man. He's like, damn, give him the, let, let's unretire the number 13. Give him the fucking jersey. <laughs> you know, can we, can we look, Morozweiler, can we do that on his back instead? And you know, get him in the ring of honor. And people are like going, that's it, Tannehill's out the door. Tannehill's not out the fucking door. Are you fucking clueless? I mean, you know, he, he did what he's supposed to do as a backup quarterback. He is no threat to win the starting job. He's not better than Ryan Tannehill. He will never be better than Ryan Tannehill. Um, I just, it's just astonishing to me that people are that dumb. It's like history has told you that Osweiler will, will have one or two of these games and then he'll revert to type. He was excellent yesterday and fucking maximum kudos for, to him because he's become a national joke. And I think lots of people were like writing old Brocktober. You know, fuck it. He played brilliantly. He outplayed the Chicago Bears. He, everybody was talking up as a really good team. I watched the Fox preview and it was like, Four out of the five people were like, well, I mean, the absolute lock win today is going to be um, – the absolute lock win is uh, the Bears going to – the really good Bears are going to march into Miami and smack down the Dolphins. Uh, and you know what? Brock wasn't taking any of that shit, and he played well. He got a bit lucky with the, fl- with the tip ball that um, Amandola flicked onto Kenny Steele's. But he also – you know, that was the, the, the third down play where Kenny Drake got tackled by Danny Trevathan right in front of the referee. Didn't get called. He had a couple of drops. Amandola had a drop just before the Carl Fuller interception. I think two plays before the Carl Fuller interception that completely changes the narrative of that drive and the interception probably doesn't happen. And I thought he did really, really well. But he is not the starting quarterback. He is not Jesus. He is not fucking <laughs> Fran Tarkenton or Otto Graham. Or Joe Montana, he's the backup <laughs> quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. And that's, as, that's all it is. And no more, no less. And I just think people are weird. Yeah. Well, let me tell you the rest of that game. I walk, uh, I walk into my friend's house to watch the second half. And uh, he decided he was going to have a football party because he's a Cowboy fan. So the Cowboys were playing the Jaguars at 4 mm. o'clock. And good God, did they beat the crap out of the Jaguars. Just. Okay, so it you know the day set up perfectly as a as a football watching Sunday. You know, Dolphins at one, Cowboys at four. We watch both games, have a good old time. So I get there and I'm tired. And when I get there, I'm watching the Bears just march up and down the field, and it looks like we're going to lose by about forty points. So I decide, you know what? I'm watching this game from the pool, and I start inching towards the TV from the pool to the steps, from the steps to a pub table, from the pub table closer to the TV. This thing was absolutely riveting. And you had moments like that Anthony Miller touchdown. When that mm. happened, I thought to myself, my God, they left Brock Osweiler too much time. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had no idea that they would score on the very next play I know, to tie right? it. But when we got the two-point conversion, I was like, okay, now our defense is going to buckle down. We're going to win this thing. No, it, it didn't work out that way. They scored again. Then we score in one play. 
Then we get that play where it gets deflected off of Amendola and it lands in Kenny Stills' hands. And I'm thinking to myself, this is the play that usually happens when you're going to squeak out a win. Something absolutely yeah. lucky happens for you. Osweiler could have put a spalding ball up his ass and fired it out in the direction of Amendola and it still would have gone for a touchdown. That's how much luck we had at that point. <laughs> yes. So I see that and I'm like, what am I worrying about here? Why did I even get out of the pool? Why am I getting inching closer to the TV, getting worried, you know, uh, getting heart, pop, heart pop, palpitations watching this thing? But then we drive it right down and it's a march. It's a procession into the end yeah. zone. We're not even caring about a field goal because – why get a field goal when you can end it with a touchdown? We get down to the one. What a play call. I put my hands up. I run around, and I'm like, we won this game. My friend tells me he fumbled into the end zone. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Kenyon Drake scored. He's there. And I'm looking at it, and Kenyon Drake is on the floor, and the Bears are celebrating. And I'm like, this fucking guy fumbled at the one-yard line? <laughs> I actually thought Osweiler still had the ball at that point. I thought Brock had taken it, and he'd scored. Yes. Uh, I, 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 all I saw was that Drake was in the end zone, and so was Osweiler. So I'm like, okay, we scored. We won this game. No, it is Chicago Bear ball. And at that point, I said, okay, well, I guess we lost this game. Yeah, and when Parky sets up for that field goal, I'm thinking to myself, how perfect is this? This fucking guy is going to kick this field goal. When That's he the missed. third potential game winner he's missed against us, and he never missed a game winner for us. <laughs> yes. Then he misses. And you know what I'm thinking to myself? My God. Are we going to tie after all of this crap? <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the last time we had a tie. Can you? <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. I don't, remember, I don't remember ever watching a tie. No, nor do I. I do know that I started watching football very, very, very young in 1981 and i know that they had a tie in the regular season but i don't remember watching it because i think that year they were 11 4 and 1 the dolphins yeah yeah so i never watched i don't remember watching the tie so i think that's the only time they had a tie but sure enough Kenyon drake on a play by the way that i drew up in the preseason that i had watched them practice over and over and over again Ooh. which is a designed arrow cut by Kenyon drake where it's it's a one read you're looking at your nine routes on the outside unless a, unless, a, unless a cornerback falls flat on his face. You're throwing it to one guy and one guy only, and that's Kenyon Drake on the, on the little arrow cut. Sure enough, he hits him. He breaks one tackle, gets enough yardage. We set up for the field goal. We kick it. We win. We're four and two. But what do you make of the people that have, been, have decided to use this game to say, well, you average 20 points per game with Tannehill and Adam Gase? And now Osweiler goes in there and he does the exact same thing. So it's the system. It's not the quarterback. Ha, have a guess what I think of them. <laughs> they're, they're, they're fucking uh... morons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've just got no time for people like that. I've got no time for people like that. I really haven't. And uh, what, I find, what I find genuinely, all bullshit aside, what I find genuinely uncomfortable is people that somehow try to turn it into a into a knock against Tannehill, you say the fucking guy didn't even play, and it was still his fault. <laughs> it was. It was, it was absolutely. It was absolutely incredible. It's astonishing. Well, we've talked enough about the game. Let's talk about some of the players. Yeah. Okay. We've talked a lot about the good, and we will talk about some of the real good in a mm. second. But let's briefly touch on the bad. Who did you see 
that is of concern to you in this game? I thought, I, I thought obviously, Torim at time struggled. When you watch the game back, it's difficult. Yes, he got beaten, but actually he didn't get beaten. You know, like the, the long pass to Taylor Gabriel, for example, he's literally stride for stride. He sits in trail and he just essentially just loses a, a, an armbar battle. Uh, and Gabriel just swims half a step in front of him by just using his arms just to get in front. And, you know, Gabriel's got, you know, high-end speed. Tory McTyre's very quick as well. You know, he got, every time he got beaten, it wasn't like he was three or four yards beaten. He was step for step or he was you know, half a step behind. I, I think there's a, there's a good quality player there, which is why he's not been, you know, obviously he was benched, but he's not been demoted and he's certainly not been, you know, kicked off the team. Um, I, I, on the other hand, conversely think that Cordrea Tankersley is entering the twilight zone of his Dolphins career because this is somebody who's just, well, just gone. I mean, his technique is fucking awful. His first play where Chris and I were talking is the footwork to sort of his click and close when, when the guy cuts out in front of him and you just think it was the play that I think we challenged um, on the sideline down towards the goal line where, where Gase threw the red flag. And you just think, your footwork is atrocious. His, uh, uh, that, that's a concern for me. It really is. I, I generally thought everybody else played really well. Um, I'm trying to think of Devontae Parker, the four snaps that he had. I mean, I can only remember one of them, which was his pitiful effort on the interception down the sideline. I mean, it was under threat yeah. ball, but at least make some attempt to play corner to knock it away or whatever. But from, I can't really think of anybody else that had a bad game. I thought just generally it was a really good team win. And I thought there were some terrific performances that we'll get to in a sec that, you know, just sort of peppered around on all sides of the ball, really. What about you? Yeah, well, let's put a bow on on the bad. I'm with you there on McTire. Uh, on the bad, I did not think that Robert Quinn played bad, but I would say that the pass rush as a whole was pretty bad. Yeah, I think the past rush struggled. But, you know, uh, you're missing Wake, you're missing Harris. Yes. We're missing, we, we missed the, the kid. Um, Woodard, he got Woodard, hurt. Woodard, who got hurt. You know, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? When you, you're essentially down to Cam Malvo, Andre Branch, who I like, and, you know, is a good meat and potatoes third pass rusher who gives 110% effort on every snap. But, you know, he's coming off a, you know, injury and stuff. So it's, um, it is difficult. And I, you know, I, You'd obviously want to see Wake back, and you want to see um, you want to see Harris back because you know Harris is a big opportunity for Charles Harris now at the moment, and, and the fact that he was injured and missed the game is a mm. you know, is a real blow for him moving forwards because he has struggled. So yeah, I thought that the you know I, I thought that this was the game where Burke would have to manufacture some pass rush, and he didn't. I, I would have liked to have seen his game plan from Cincinnati just rolled over into Trubisky, but I think that Nagy Nagy was in such a zone. Yeah. He probably would have figured that out. And who knows, maybe it would have been worse. You know, maybe they would have put up 45 points instead Absolutely. of the 28 that they did. But enough of the bad because there wasn't that much bad when you win with your backup quarterback. Albert Wilson, are we going to have to start examining whether the way we look at wide receivers now? Because Albert Wilson's outplaying Jarvis Landry so far this year. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, people have always talked about why you run so many screens. Why do you run so many screens? especially when we had slower receivers. But yeah. now, you, now you can see why we run so many screens. Because you're essentially, but you're essentially giving really, really quick guys the opportunity to make 
to make what you know, win your individual battles. That's what you hear all the time. And that's yes. what we're, we're trying to do. You're trying to put the ball in the hands of guys with ridiculous speed who are undersized, but knowing that if they make one person miss, then they're gone or they're going to pick up significant chunks of yardage. And you saw that yesterday with Wilson. He just made, I mean, to be fair to Wilson, he made about 42 guys miss. But <laughs> yes. you know, it, it, it was making that first guy miss on each of those two touchdowns that essentially set it up for everything else that happened. And I think that's why you're seeing why we run so many screens. And, you know, and people talk about, oh, why did you run a screen on third down? And why did you do this? I mean, you know, he catches the first one and he just breaks inside and beats the diving Eddie Jackson. And then he's got, you know, cuts inside and he's gone. You know, and it's the, it's the same for the second one. He catches the little underneath route. He makes the first guy miss and then boom, away we go. And he kind of rides the tackle and that's it. And that's why we do it, I think. So, you know, Gazer's got the guys that he's always wanted. And that's, that's what we've talked about a lot. Do you know what I mean? He's got the guys that he wants to run the system that he wants to run. So this is now his coach and horses and he's got to take it wherever it goes. One of my favorite moments in that game was Wilson's second touchdown, which went for 75 yards. Which is literally just on the TV screen right now. The guy chasing him. If you can, try to get that guy's name. Number because 31. that guy, okay, that guy 37. runs after him. It's 37, I think. 37, yeah. He chases him for about 85 yards it across does, the yeah. field. And he finally gives up at the one-yard line. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, dude, just give up at the 10. You're not going to catch do, this guy. Do you know what he gets, though? He gets uh he gets Wilson's towel. Yes. <laughs> That's what he ends up with, which is quite funny. Yeah. But, you know, we would be remiss to not mention, you know, the elephant in the room. There was a certain defensive player on the other side. Mm. Who, Did he play? He was quite a menacing figure coming into this game. And some of us thought that he would just go through all of our, what is it, nine quarterbacks that we have on the roster? Yeah, like, like maybe we would have we would have activated Marquise Gray off of the, off of IR to to just get knocked out in the fourth quarter by mm-hmm. Khalil Mack. What a job our offensive line did. Khalil yeah. Mack had zero point zero sacks. He had one pressure on Jawan James, one pressure up tackles, the middle, and yeah. two tackles. What did you see? What did they do? Who deserves the credit? Well, I mean, I think the offensive line room essentially deserves the credit. Bryce Callahan, by the way, was the number 37. I, you know, I think that I think they schemed well. I think Nick O'Leary blocked very well. I think Kenyon blocked very well in terms of just chipping him when he was on the right side against Juwan, who I thought held up, you know, well. And I think James is an upper echelon right tackle in the NFL. What I thought was most interesting was when he was against Laramie Tunsil and you know, we've talked about Tunsil all season and I, 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 I'm now 100% of the belief that, and we haven't had a pre-snap penalty from him, I think, in three weeks. I am of the absolute belief now he is operating at an elite level in terms of his performance. You know, he's one of the small group of elite left tackles in the NFL that you, you know, you put a Tyron Smith and a David Bakhtiari and and those guys into. Um and, and I think he belongs in there now. I mean, to watch him on the island, and Brian Baldinger broke it down beautifully in video form on social mm-hmm. media not long after the game. And, you know, just the way that Tunsil was holding Mac, not holding, but keeping him at bay with one arm. But, keep, you know, you just look at the way he sets up. He's just beautiful. He's like a big dancing bear. And those hips are square. And, yes. you know, he's, he's, he, just, he just looks so, so good. And, um, you know, people talked about, oh, Mac 
was injured. Well, Tuggs was coming out of a concussion. He was on concussion protocol until Friday. You know, yeah. he's not 100% himself either. And I had a lot of Bears fans, fans tweet me today going, oh, that, you know, that it was the weather. That's why, Tun- that's why Tunzel was dominating. It was too hot. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, get the fuck out of here. Mac was born in fucking Florida. He's played, he's played for the last three years in LA. You know, and also, was he the only one that the sun was shining on or was it not shining on Tunzel as well, you fucktards? I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ, it's people. Are those people pretending that Laramie Tunsil is not 315 pounds and that, it, I mean, and that the, the weather should affect him more than it does just a spelt 265-pound Kelly I mean, Mack? Look, let's not take anything away from Kelly Mack. He is an atrociously good player. Yes. You know, he, is, uh, he is astonishingly good, both against the pass and the run. Um, he is a dominant for You know, watch that game against Green Bay at the start of the season. It was, it was filth. He was so good. He is a brilliant, brilliant player. And if he wins defensive MVP, then he deserves it. But on this day, he was bettered by one of the elite left tackles in the NFL. And I think the Dolphins did a good job of getting the ball out of Osweiler's hands fairly quickly. Although Brock held it, you know, at times. But I thought we run blocks well. The interior of the offensive, I thought Travis Swanson was superb. He's been good both I've, weeks that he's played. I've, I think he's been better than Daniel Kilgore, I've got to say. We, yeah, well, I, I hate to say that we got lucky because somebody got injured, and especially yeah. when, when somebody gets injured for, for the season because, you know, that has a little bit longer-term repercussions. But, yeah. yeah, but I would say football-wise, we might have gotten lucky with an injury. It looks like we lucked out, totally. Yes. Totally. Well, Simon, we've gone on long enough. Give us your game balls for this game. God, I could give them to pretty much anyone, really. It's, uh, you know, I mean, look, look, look. Count around that, yeah. Osweiler, superb. Frank Gore, 101 yards, great. Drake showed mental resilience to bounce back. You know, Stills didn't do a lot, but what he had to do, you know, he did beautifully with that toe tap, two point conversion. Wilson was was superb. Jakeem played really well. You know, the t- look at Nick O'Leary did did great work. The offensive line were were, were superb. You know, we talked about Tunsil. I mean, I'd, I'd probably have to give a game ball to Tunsil. There's my one game ball certainly. But the interior line played well. You know, there was one hole on Jesse Davis, but generally they played pretty well. Defensive line, I think Taylor and God, Vincent Taylor's that our best interior defensive lineman, and he's just yes. getting better and better each week. I thought Godchild played really well. I thought Quinn was decent. You know, stru- we talked about the struggle with the defensive lineman. I thought Raekwon generally played well. I mean, the Anthony Miller touchdown, he'll probably want to, you know, have nightmares about. But Kiko played well going forwards. Jerome Baker was quiet, but. You know, he got beaten on that long Tariq Cohen pass, but he, you know, he ran him down. I don't know if people remember that he ran him down, and you know, sixty yards down the field. Mm-hmm. You know, many linebackers doing that. Minka played really well. A couple of penalties that you want to see cleaned up, just turning his head a little bit. Xavier Howe's just filth. He's just so good. Rashad had a great tackle on, on Cohen and the almost interception. TJ had the big pick in the end zone that was, you know, a drive stopper. Um, you know, and then Matt Hawk played well, and the kid, you know, I mean, it was interesting. Joe Shad said that. Um, Joe Shad tweeted about how Jason Sanders believes he's the best kicker in the NFL. I mean, Christ, he looks like both that. I mean, the 50-yarder looked like it was good from 70. Yes. Absolutely. And also, both of them straight down the middle. These weren't like either side of the post. This was absolutely... I mean, I think a game ball for me goes to Laramie Tunsil, to Brock Osweiler, and to Darren Rizzi, because Rizzi, you know, is the best special... You know, people talk about... Um, Dave Taub, and rightfully so at, at Kansas City. But what Rizzi's done consistently year after year, and we touched upon him earlier, look, take Andrew Franks. You know, Andrew Franks came from RPI, some, you know, I mean, 
who'd ever heard of R- I mean, I don't think Andrew Franks had heard of RPI, frankly. <laughs> he went there. You know, I mean, yeah. what the fuck is RPI? It sounds like an illness that people have when they've, you know, when they've wanked too much. Oh, man, I've got RPI. Oh, damn, you need to stop wanking. Um, although your muscles on your right arm are really much more pronounced. Um, yeah, it's because of me RPI, mate. Um, it's, you know, Rizzy picked Franks, and for one season, Franks was pretty decent. And he boomed that, that, that massive game tire and then the game winner in that critical game in Buffalo. He won the game in Arizona at the, at the buzzer. He was Rizzy's guy. And then when we drafted Jason Sanders in the seventh round, everybody's like, oh my God, what a waste of a draft pick. And it's like, it's the seventh fucking round. Nobody cares. You draft like my mum in the seventh round. It's not going to matter. She's, she's 73. Yeah. You know? um, and, you know, people said, oh, you know, he'd, he'd only made like 9% of his kicks or something as a and then you looked at it and you looked at how he kicked and you looked at the hold and you looked at some of the things you thought, okay, there's a little bit more to it here. But Rizzy went out on a, he went out on a limb for this guy and he's coached him, he's trained him up. And I thought it was brilliant that, you know, when players ran off the pitch on the field to grab hold of Sanders at the end, then there was that great moment where just as Fox were kind of cutting away to the end of the thing, where Rizzy was just giving Sanders a massive hug and clearly telling him in his ear what he'd done. So, so game balls for me for Larry Tunsil, for Brock Osweiler, Larry Tunsil and Darren Rizzy. So there you go. Well, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, we will have Chris Kaufman. Christoph. We'll, yes, and we will do it all over again. But first, these words. Hey, Juice, so October is here, and in my mind, that means only one thing. It is almost time for my favorite event of the year, and no big surprise, but it's an O.J. McDuffie party. Hey, you know it, Big Seth. The 17th annual Signature Grand Ghoul presented by Calvin Giordano and Associates will take place on Monday, October 29th, and once again benefits 211 Broward, an amazing charity. We are transforming the Signature Grand into a 100,000-square-foot mansion for the sickest Halloween costume party in South Florida. And this costume party is for the grown folk, not the kids, yeah. We're talking open bar, amazing food, dancing, silent auction, and of course, contests and prizes for the most incredible costumes. And since the fish tank will be all up in the ghoul, as will a bunch of other hosts from our Five Reasons Sports family, let's do a little something special for the listeners. So what we need you to do is post a photo in your all-time greatest Halloween costume, tag your favorite Five Reasons Sports podcast, and use the hashtag DiveIntoTheGhoul. And the top four costumes will have a chance to win two tickets to the Signature Grand Ghoul on that October 29th. For more information on how you can join OJ and me at the Signature Grand Ghoul, visit 211-Broward.org and call 954-390-0493 and ask for Tracy. And we're back. And this time I have Chris Kaufman with me. And before we get into the news that was broken over the weekend, let me tell you about a great sponsor, BetQL. Want to get an edge over Vegas and the books? BetQL is available for download, and it's the only mobile app that puts all the important research you need to make smart bets in one place. With BetQL, you can easily access line movement to see how the lines have moved. This app gives you access to public betting trends in real time so you can see which side the public favors. BetQL's powerful algorithm gives users value bets of the day based off of detailed recent and historical trends. You can also calculate your return on your picks and track them throughout the day. The best part of all, you can download BetQL for free from your Apple or Android device. Head to betql.co 
to download the only app you need to outsmart Vegas. That's betql.co. BetQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android. Well, Chris, if you had BetQL, and I know you have it on your phone, you would have mm-hmm. checked it on Friday night and it would have said that the Dolphins were actually a pretty decent bet because at that moment, they were four-point underdogs, but Ryan Tannehill was likely I'd to seen play. i like three or three and a half, too. Yeah, it was like three, three and a half. But mm-hmm. at that point, Ryan Tannehill was likely to play. We all know how well the Dolphins play at home. So, yeah, why mm-hmm. not take the Dolphins? But we knew a little bit about – a little bit of news, I should say. Mm-hmm. It wasn't good news. It wasn't good news. That would have made us not want to touch the game. Yeah. Touch on that news for us right now. Well, what happened is, you know, during the week, um, we had been looking at how Ryan Tannehill had played in the the Oakland game week three and the following New England game and the following Cincinnati game. And and there were some indications that Ryan was was not 100% during, uh, during a lot of this time. Um, you know, at first I was thinking there's some issues with the knee and his escapability and, uh, versus pressure, which is, which is true. I think, uh, I think guys coming back from knee injuries definitely have that problem. And, uh, Carson Wentz was going through, has gone through a little bit of the same growing pains coming back from his knee injury. But also what I really noticed is that, you know, with the hit that he took onto the shoulder in the Oakland game at home from Maurice Hurst, who got flagged on the play, mm-hmm. um, driven right into the ground. Well, I know that Ryan Tannehill was on the injury report all the following week heading up to the New England game. Now, he might not have been a limited participant in practice like he was in the Friday before this, you know, this Bears game, but he was definitely on the injury report with, you know, quote, shoulder in parentheses, right. Um, and so, you know, he had an injury in the, after that Oakland game. And I looked at the New England game, and he clearly had lost a lot of velocity on some of his throws. Um, And this is something that I do because I work on the draft so much, and a lot, a big part of evaluating quarterbacks for the draft is is trying to get a real handle on on what these guys' uh, velocity is and and how their arm strength and stuff like that. So I have my ways, and it was it was crystal clear. Um, You know, you could show it that uh that he'd lost a lot of velocity on his on his real stick throws the ones that he steps into and really squeezes yeah uh, so so that wasn't there in the new england game and you know i was kind of thinking that might explain some of these these issues now he wasn't on the injury report leading up to the cincinnati game and looking at the cincinnati game some of his throws actually had his his normal velocity back um mm-hmm. the level that that i have is sort of like his baseline and that i've had over the years is sort of his baseline um but, uh, but you know, there were also some issues with accuracy in that game. And then at the end, he took that hit, that sack fumble. And so, and, and it looked bad in the way that he came down on his shoulder and the way that it was pulled back. And so I thought he might be aggravated. He might have aggravated it. And early in the week and Wednesday, he was on the injury report again with quote unquote shoulder parentheses, right. And uh, so I talked about that a little bit, but, um, but then we also, you know, dug a little further 
and we discovered that um, that Friday when, you know, sort of the kerfluffle happened where Tannehill was a limited participant in practice and actually Brock Osweiler took first team reps um, and they had to list him as questionable for the game. They have to list Tannehill as questionable for the game. A lot of people were taking that as sort of a nothing, you know, because Tom Brady was on the questionable on the injury report for like 40 straight games or something like that. Um, but when we went to our people and our sources, and I have some very good sources on this, they were telling us, actually, no, this is not, this is not a nothing deal. And in fact, it's much more likely than not that he's not going to play this game. And um, like right now, right now we're operating as if he's going to play it. Um, and we're going to have him, you know, test things out on Sunday and see, see how it goes. But, you know, we don't think he's going to play. And that was shock, shocking to us. Uh, shocking to me, shocking to, you know, to you and, and Simon as we were talking about it. And um, so we came out with the report. Uh, we came out with it on uh, Ethan Skolnick, uh, Five Reasons, Three Yards Per Carry. Um, Ethan wrote it up for, for Dolphins Maven. It was sort of like a nice um, – combination uh cooperative piece and uh and that's what happened and uh sure enough that morning the, the regular media starts to catch up to it like wait there's a real question whether ryan Tannehill's is going to play here wait ryan Tannehill's not expected to play here wait ryan Tannehill is not playing today and um and that's what happened and the betting line moved overnight after we released that port report from like four in favor of the bears to more like six in favor of the bears um, so I mean, and clearly the word was getting out that something was wrong. Well, Chris, that was Friday and that was Sunday for Ryan Tannehill. Now looking forward, what are you hearing? What do you think could be, I wouldn't say the prognosis cause we're not doctors, but you know, what is it that we could be looking at here? Um, so we rolled out with, as part of the report, um, and this is again, pretty solid sourcing on this. I, I don't, I don't do this unless I've got actually two sources saying the same thing separately. Um, but I heard a sprained AC joint. Now that's, that seems, you know, very uh, medical jargony and, um, and, you know, serious, but it's a pretty generic term because your shoulder is basically the AC joint and sprain means, you know, unspecified, damage mm -hmm. to some of the ligaments the only thing in your shoulder that you can sprain is the ac joint uh so if anybody tries to say that it's a shoulder sprain and not a ac joint sprain then they're full of shit yeah and i would say that their characterization of this injury as just a sore shoulder it basically screams what you're saying because if it's anything else then it's just not a sore shoulder it's more of a medical issue and yeah. The reporting that I did earlier in this podcast is that the decision on whether uh, Ryan Tannehill plays or not belongs to Adam Gase and it doesn't belong to a doctor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for a reason, he was evaluated before the game on Sunday. And he was actually, I was told he was actually evaluated early Sunday morning. Right. And like I told Simon in the first part of the pod, the, somebody who was there characterized it as he's at 80%. And Adam Gase said, I'm not going to play somebody that can't make half of the throws in my playbook. So, right. so if it's a strength and power and velocity issue, 
then it would suggest that it's probably that. It's probably an AC joint. It's not a torn labrum. It's not, you know, yeah. a separated that shoulder or a dislocated shoulder. Serious. Yeah, dislocated shoulder, castle yeah. damage, uh, rotator cuff damage, torn labrum. Yeah, that's uh, not something that you have your quarterback go out there and work out with. You know what I mean? Yeah, those, those would be very serious things. I mean, you can uh, – Matt Hasselbeck has talked about this. You can gut out throwing in practice and even throwing in games with an AC sprain, with a grade one AC sprain. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a little – I know it can be done because we talked about this earlier. Andrew Luck played with a posterior torn labrum for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be done. It's, it's not, it's certainly not easy to do. And, um, and I doubt that that's, it doesn't seem very likely that that's what we're looking at here, but you know, it's, it's really, it's really hard to say at this point. I, I know that from the, from the Oakland hit, I'm, I'm comfortable saying that if the AC joint is no longer sprained magically, um, it probably at least once was because I'm pretty solid on this source. And what we have to keep in mind is we're talking about two hits within a, uh, what, technically a three-week span. So, you know, the the time, it, it does all crunch together a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, he, a, a, a sprained AC joint it would present a lot like this and have a lot of this fact pattern, especially if they never gave it rest if they never gave it rest and let them and let it heal. Well, enough WebMD talk. Let's get into this game. What an exhilarating game. We're four and two, Chris. Yeah. How did you experience this game? I already asked this of, of Simon, and I gave him my experience on this Sunday, which was I was moving early in the morning, and I ended up missing most of the first half. My only experience in the first half was watching Oswald throw that touchdown to Nick O'Leary. I thought we were going to win like 13 to 10, 14 to 10. Then all hell broke loose in the second half as I showed up at my friend's house. And I told Simon the story how I started watching the game from the pool and I ended up watching it a little bit more from the steps and then from the steps to a pub table, then from a pub table to planted firmly in front of a TV riveted by this game. How did you experience this? I had to watch it in a bar as I always do because it's not because I live in Tampa and uh, and if the Bucks are playing at the same time they don't allow it to be on the regular ne- uh, network television uh, so not certainly not in the comforts of my own home um, but this was the most I I struggled to to say this because I'm, I'm probably I mean it sounds it sounds like I'm being uh, ex- exaggerating quite a bit but. I, I don't remember being this invested in the outcome of a game since maybe even the the Baltimore win that prevented the winless season, which I think is, is sort of up there on the film reel of all Dolphins fans, if you think about it as among their top uh, memories. But um, this game, and it wasn't that I, you know, I didn't place much. Hey, listen, this is like week six and uh, and we were three and two. It's not you know, it wasn't a make or break game by any means. It was just the way the game played out. Yeah. The way the game played out sucked you in to it. And it's just like you described, you know, you're trying to, you're just kind of watching it and not knowing what to expect. And then you're glued to the television. Um, I think that that's, that's the way I experienced it because I was pretty confident that they were going to win. It seemed like, you know, they were up seven, nothing. It seemed like they were going to go up 14, nothing at one point in the first half. And then uh, it didn't work out that way, but they're heading into halftime with the lead. I reported on Twitter. I talked about on Twitter, you know, Adam Gase is 11 and one 
when he has a halftime lead as a head coach. Uh, last week against Cincinnati was literally the first and only time that he has ever lost a halftime lead since becoming the head coach in the Miami Dolphins. And it took, you know, two very weird defensive scores in order to in the, in the second half in order to make that happen. So you can have some confidence in Adam Gase when he goes into halftime with a lead. It's it's okay. Um, so yeah, I had some confidence in there. And then, of course, I'm thinking to myself, well, but Chicago gets the ball to start the second half, and we can't just let them march up the field and score a touchdown. And if they do, then all bets are off. Well, sure enough, that's exactly what they do. And then they go out to a 14-7 lead, and then, you know, we kick a field goal, and then they get another quick touchdown. And by this point, it looks like, you know, this is over. I'm sorry. It's done. Uh, you know, it was nice while it lasted. Clearly, Nag- uh, Matt Nagy has uh, has figured us out on defense, and he did a phenomenal job, by the way. Yes. Um, and, and so, you know, this is over. Bye-bye. You know, but then they just kept kind of battling back, you know, with field goals and, and getting back into it. And, uh, and, and sure enough, you know, we're only one score behind, technically, eight-point lead, and, and then they get – you know, interception in the end zone. It was crazy, and and go march down the field. Brock Osweiler. We're going, we're going Oswild over here because because uh, <laughs> because Brock is, is throwing like a touchdown pass and and um and and the two point conversion afterwards, and and now we're all pumped up, and so we get it, and then of course Chicago. So now we're thinking we got the momentum. We're at home. We're gonna get this, and then Chicago gets that twenty eight to twenty eight to twenty one touchdown that really just deflates us and then we score back again in one play one freaking play <laughs> yes and, and then overtime and we're going we march all the way down the field in overtime and we're like i can't believe how this is happening we've had you know this we were confident and then it looked like we had lost the game and then we battled all the way back and now we're gonna win it and then fumble and it's like the the worst feeling ever to see that happen and and I'm just like head buried in my hands at that point in the bar and not saying a word and positive that we just lost the game and uh or you know at the very most tied it and then and then somehow we won anyway I don't remember that many twists and turns on a single game in a long time I don't remember being that positive so many times that we lost the game and that positive so many times that we won the game before it actually was decided and, and then it was decided at the end that was it was just nuts it was it was really one of the classics that I, i'm gonna probably remember for a while i think that this game uh was reminiscent of what i think is the last great game that we played which was the game up in buffalo where we clinched the playoff spot in 2016 i remember that if you remember Although, that was- unfortunately i didn't get to experience it in this way because that if you remember that was that's christmas eve Right? Yeah, it was on Christmas Eve. So yes, that was on Christmas Eve. So, like, I I started to watch some of the some of the game. Then I had to drive down to see my family, like two hours south. Mm-hmm. And and so because you know it's Christmas Eve, family don't wait. So um yeah. so you gotta so I drive down there and uh and and I and then I pick it up. I picked it up like just as it was entering overtime. So I didn't really get to experience it. You know, didn't yeah. really get to the up and ups and downs like I did this well I watched that game and I uh my wife is a big dolphin fan but you know she you know she's not really like you know hooting and hollering all year you know she'll get excited like you know if a game is exciting she'll get really excited and she'll get really invested if 
the Dolphins are playing for a playoff spot, which, you know, spoiler alert, they haven't done that a lot in the last, like, 20 years. But but in that game, she's all decked out. She's loving life. You know, she she's excited for this game. And we go to my father's house, and he's making a small – like a small pig in the in, in the barbecue. Mm-hmm. And – and he tells me, don't. Yeah, remember I was telling you about it. That remember I was you telling, telling you, me about that pig. <laughs> that yeah, remember I, I sent you pictures and everything of the pig. Remember? <laughs> yes, you did. You sent me pictures of it. Yeah, and and I told and I told and my my father told me, look, don't worry about it. I'm gonna be cooking outside. I know you like to cook outside with me too. You know what I mean? Because you know if if somebody because that's part of the the experience is that sure. when the guy's doing the pig. You know, you're not gonna just go inside and sit in front of a couch and watch the game. You know what I mean? Right. You gotta be outside right. while they're cooking. And he says, don't worry about it. I'm going to hook it up. I'm, I, I bought an extension cable, and we're hooking up a TV outside so you can watch the game outside while we cook. So I'm watching the game, and I'm losing my mind during this game. And it was just such a great experience. And afterwards, you know, because, you know, my father's a little older, so, you know, he's, he's going to turn a little, a little earlier. I make the rounds to go to all the parties everywhere. And sure enough, everybody else has a pig too. So – you know, people that were Dolphin fans were, were hugging each other and high fives. There was like a different feeling. That feeling yeah. happened again this Sunday. It was just so much fun to win That's a game that way. And give, you know, give her, this is, this is one of those games. I know, so, so the Bears aren't going to get any credit here because they, they went down to, down to Miami and lost to Brock Osweiler, which on the yeah. face of it, just like stupefying. Um, and and second, you know, the lowly Dolphins, who everybody had liked to kick after losing two in a row. Um, and they kind of liked to kick them even while they were winning three in a row. So, um, yeah. so I think, you know, the Bears aren't going to get any credit here. But I came away from the – I don't – I'm trying to remember, like, when I've come away from, a like, a win, we won the game. Yeah. But really, really, really impressed with the team on the other side. Yes. Like, and – what kind of potential that they have. I think the bears have a ton of potential actually. Um, Cause that defense is not always going to play how they did against Brock Osweiler. Uh, and, and in fact, they were playing much, much better in the previous games, but Khalil Mack is, is really good. Kyle Fuller is amazing. Um, yes, he is. Jackson, the safety. I was really impressed with what he was doing throughout the game. Roquan Smith was very good. I thought some of their defensive players got really tired at the end. You could see it on some of those big plays mm-hmm. that Albert Wilson um, that Albert Wilson broke off. So it wasn't necessarily just that their defense was not talented enough to bring out Albert Wilson down. I think Miami had had kind of wore them out a little bit in that heat. Um, and so you know, I was really impressed. I thought the defense on other days would have a better, would clearly have much better days as they had in the first four games this year. And uh, and then on offense, like, how impressed were you with Matt Nagy and, and the adjustments he made at halftime? Oh, he was Matt terrifying. Was he was absolutely fine. terrifying. He, he was, was in terrifying. his zone. That's the word. I was terrified. <laughs> yeah, I, he was in his zone. I was talking to Simon, and I was telling him that he was in one of those play-calling zones where uh, he could have called anything. He could have said, you know what, we're running the wishbone. And the wishbone yep. would have gone for, like, 40 yards on the first play. Yep. You know, he was just on one of those zones. I saw a stat. He comes right out with a zone read and then follows it up with a follows it up with the the shovel pass right off. You know, working off the zone read. I mean, just just chef's fingers. I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> well, we're gonna move on now to the good in this game. But before we do, let me give you a couple of stats. Do you know who 
Brock Osweiler's first win was when he made his first start as a Denver Bronco? I do not, but I know that he was 2-0 against the, Bro- or the Bears. Well, it was against the Chicago Bears. Uh-huh. Do you know who his first win and his first start was as a Houston Texan? Oh, was that also a Bears game? <laughs> it was the Chicago Bears. And his first start as a Miami Dolphin, the Chicago Bears again. So yeah. this guy has made his initial start in three different destinations and beaten the same team all three times. And and then promptly went down the toilet all three times. Or all <laughs> yeah. two times. Sorry, all two times. This to, one, he might make magic. Yeah, he might make magic yet. Here's another, here's another stat for you. If you look up a, a list of the top five biggest offensive outputs in Dolphin history. The first mm-hmm. four were quarterbacked by Dan Marino. <laughs> the fifth was quarterbacked by Brock Osweiler. <laughs> Let's get right into it right there. What did you see from Brock Osweiler, Chris? I thought, you know, the first thing I said to Simon, and Simon and I were kind of both back and forth during the game, and we, we hated to say it, but it was true. We saw more game management, more and more effective game management from him than we'd probably seen from Tannehill in a couple of these games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I mean by game management is the way that he got everybody lined up. The way <laughs> there was a there was a hilarious report before the game um, that that said that um, that the Dolphins appreciate uh, Osweiler's. I'm, I'm wondering if I can get this term right, but it was it was Osweiler's huddle etiquette or something like that like it mm-hmm. was and it was like, I know what uh, that is it, was, it just sounds it sounds hilarious and, and everybody on twitter made fun of it but when you when you saw it in the game you're like he's actually i mean he's very communicative uh, communicative out there he's getting everybody lined up he's making adjustments he's spotting the defense he's getting out of bad plays yes good plays and he was and he was running the no huddle uh seamlessly without you know, with no issue. And, um, and there were things that he was doing that was like, well, you know, I don't know that Tannehill was doing that. And, uh, and so it was sort of like, I hate to admit it. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we should move from Tannehill to Osweiler, but clearly they're going to have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, And, uh, and that was clearly one of Osweiler's strengths. And it, it nailed exactly what Gase had been talking about since training camp, where where he kept saying that that's one of, Osweiler's strengths Gase and Lagains they kept talking about it is he really knows this offense and he gets everybody lined up and he can and he can really operate this off that's what stood out to me um some of the times where he you know kind of either scrambled around bought a little extra time and then made a throw surprised me (laughs) yeah that was that was a little shocking to see him make that kind of those kinds of plays I think there are two or three of them in particular that were really that were really impressive. Um, but otherwise, the, I wasn't really that shocked by by what he did out there. Um, I know I realize that he's a backup, and everybody liked to talk about how our backup situation – by the way, all those people that said that our backup quarterback situation was the worst in the league, you know, ha-ha. Um, <laughs> I, you know, because I, I, railed, I railed against those people so bad because – do you know what are you complaining about? You should be complaining about the starting quarterback, if anything. Don't complain about the backup situation yes. because you didn't like a few of their preseason outings. I mean, Jesus Christ, guys! Uh, yeah. the, backup quarterbacks win games all the friggin' time. Brock Osweiler himself has a winning record as a quarterback uh, heading into the, heading into this game. I mean, uh, anyway, go ahead. 
Yeah, but uh, let's let's make it clear for the people that were that heard that report and heard us talk about it right now. As far as like huddle etiquette, uh, when and this is part of my theory when I when I said you know watch them win and somebody from the Five Reasons Sports Network thought that I was certifiably insane thinking <laughs> that Brock Eisweller would win this game against the Bears. I kept my I kept my nineteen sixteen Dolphins win projection just for the record. I actually kept, I kept my comfortable 24 to 16 win. And actually, yeah. Simon deserves a lot of credit because uh, on the podcast, he predicted 31-30. And I thought to myself, Simon's gone off the deep rails. These two teams are not going to score that many points against each other. There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. But let's yeah, but let's get right into it. The the quarter the huddle etiquette, all that means is and I thought that this would happen with a new quarterback. It happened with Matt Moore. When the quarterback gets the play call, he's five yards away from the huddle. Usually when it's Tannehill or it's a guy who's been there a long time, when he gets back into the huddle, guys are talking. Guys are not completely engaged. Mm. And the quarterback has to get their attention and then give them the play call. In this case, the guys were basically waiting for Brock Osweiler. Everybody was mm. pulling their own weight. They were, playing, they were a little bit more mechanical. And guess what? The focus was there. The team mm. played better. They executed. They had 541 yards of offense against a really, really good defense, okay? Yeah. And when they talk about good huddle etiquette is that he's no frills, no nonsense. Like, when he gets in, he gets everybody's attention, he gives out the play call, and it's completely clear. And if anything, when he breaks the huddle, he's actually pointing to people right away to get them lined up as quickly as possible. That's so, right. That's- so that's what, what they mean by good huddle etiquette. And to be honest with you, it's a trait. And that's, that's a trait that Ryan Tannehill needs to have. And he needs to work on it. it. It's, you know, because sometimes you see it's a little lackadaisical. Next time you watch a a game quarterback with Ryan Tannehill, watch the guys in the huddle and watch. Sometimes you'll see Laramie Tunsil's like, you know, off in space. Like, you know, because I know I've seen I've seen Kenyon Drake, you know, off in space in in those in those situations. I've seen several guys uh, do that. And you have seen several times where Tannehill can't stay on the same page with Jakeem Grant. And, uh, yeah. and that was really not not an issue in this game uh, mm-hmm. with, with Osweiler. It's a, it's a, listen, we're, we're not trying to say that this is the reason that Ryan Tannehill is not a starting quarterback and, and thus he his career needs to conclude. Um, but uh, but it, it's something that he, needs, he clearly needs to work on and maybe seeing different from his backup who just produced – the fifth best offensive performance in team history, not Tannehill, you know, maybe that gets his attention a little bit. And, uh, and, and, you know, one, one could hope, but uh, you know, there's, there's so much else going on in this game as far as, you know, the offensive line, the way they played. uh, Yeah. And let's get into it right away. Let's get into it right away. Uh, I asked Simon what he saw. What did you see that led Khalil Mack to have zero point zero sacks? Uh, let's be fair. Early in the game, Khalil Mack took took some kind of hit and ended up in the medical tent. And um, and this, I remember this happened fairly early in the game. And uh, and so he might not have been playing with a you know a full set of wheels for the entire game. Uh, let's be fair about that. But what I saw is Adam Gase's game plan was to uh, throw bodies at him when he's on his normal side, which is the left side, which is Kyle Fuller's side, uh, the, the cornerback Kyle Fuller. I saw that they liked to throw behind 
Khalil Mack, if you look at the if you look at the passing game, they they mm-hmm. they like to throw behind him, and I think that that was on purpose. And uh, and so when he was on he was on his normal side, which is the left side for the defense or the right tackle, you know, for the offense, Jawan James's side, uh, we were throwing bodies at him. And Jawan James did a pretty good and decent job against him when they did end up singled up. But um, but they were throwing a lot of bodies at him, and they were trying to induce Chicago to flip him to the other side. And mm-hmm. that's what Chicago did. They said, you know, screw all this throwing bodies at, at Khalil Mack. We're going to go ahead and flip him to the other side. And that was what Miami wanted because they just wanted to single up, uh, single him up on Laramie Tunsil. They put, you know, the sombrero on Laramie Tunsil here on purpose and Mm -hmm. said we're gonna have you deal with him by yourself we want him to flip to your side and we want you to deal with him by yourself because then that frees up our our, some of our guys to do other things and um and that's that's what they did and it worked yeah well let's move on to game balls chris i got a weird one to give out and um so many people on obviously deserve a game ball but I'm going to give one to Cody Parkey, Cody Parkey, the uh, Jupiter juggernaut here for that 53-yard missed field goal. Cody, we know you're a Dolphins fan. You're a lifelong Dolphins fan. You are and continue to be our most valuable player. Uh, I remember when you visited us in Miami and you were with the Cleveland Browns and you missed you know, virtually every kick in the game, including all the game, potential game winners that you could have had. And I know why. We all know why. You're a Dolphins fan. You can't do it. You just <laughs> can't beat the team. And I wish you the best. You have a massive contract. And uh, and all the best to you. I'm glad somebody else is paying you to win our games. <laughs> all right. Let me give mine now. Uh, my game ball will go to the entire offensive line. The Chicago Bears had – Zero point zero sacks. Khalil Mack had zero point zero sacks. And my other game ball will go to Kiko Alonso. A lot of people all year. And this is the third time I give him a game ball. They've only played six games. He has three game balls from me. The guy has four forced fumbles, two interceptions. He's averaging 10 tackles per game. Chris, do you know the last Miami Dolphin linebacker to average 10 tackles per game for a season. Did Channing Crowder ever do it? No, uh, I'll, I'll just give it to you. It was Zach Thomas. Okay. Okay. So Kiko Alonso is on his way to doing that. Uh, I had to break it to a lot of the Kiko haters. Uh, he's headed to the pro bowl and not only is he headed to the pro bowl, he keeps making plays like this. He might be an all pro. So yeah. he gets a game ball. We don't win that game without Tariq Cohen fumbling right there no. at midfield. No, Absolutely. And the guy who made that play was Kiko Alonso. That's absolutely 100% him. All right. Well, that's it. There is no more. The next time we talk to you guys will be to preview Dolphins, Lions at Hard Rock Stadium. Trying to go five and two. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.